Hello and welcome to the Wise Women in Waste podcast series with me, Claudia Amos, Technical Director for Circularity and Resource Efficiency, and Debbie Hitchin, Director of Sustainable Production and Consumption at Anthesis. If you joined us for our previous episodes, you'll know that we are co-hosting a short series of podcasts that uses informal conversation to explore the trends and opportunities in our sector through the lens of women. We are inviting inspiring women in the waste and circularity industry to discuss our passion for the work that we do and provide some industry insights and knowledge along the way. Today, we have a special episode for International Women's Day involving women across the Anthesis business. We have invited Linda Stuffsing, Leah Saunders, Shivani Cadetti and Emmy Wally from Anthesis to join us today and to discuss what it's like to be a woman working within the circular economy and sustainability waste industry. And what are the hot topics that we are addressing in our day-to-day work? It's great to have so many with us today. It's a bit unusual for us. We don't usually have a panel of individuals, so I'm excited to get into the conversation. But perhaps before we do, we could ask everybody just to introduce themselves to our listeners. Shall we start with you? Amy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Anthesis? Sure. Hi, so I'm Amy. I'm a consultant at Anthesis in the UK, and I sit in the waste and circular economy team. Super, thank you very much. How about you, Leah? Absolutely. I'm Leah and I sit across a number of different teams. I sit in the retail and manufacturing team and the sustainable chemistry team, but I also work a lot in the circular economy and waste team. And I'm based in London. Thank you. Let's go to an international colleague. Perhaps Linda, could you introduce yourself next? Yes. Hello, my name is Linda and I work for Anthesis Sweden, but I am actually based in Barcelona at the moment. So Normally I work from Stockholm, but for a few years time, I will be based here in Barcelona, um, which is uh, great that is possible. And at Anthesis, I work as an environmental economics consultant in our resource economics team. Thank you very much. And last but no means least, Shivani, could you introduce yourself, please? Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me here. I'm Shivani Kavreti. I'm working in Anthesis based in Germany and I work as a consultant. My major role at Anthesis is involved for providing environmental due diligence for vendors and clients for different products and industries around infrastructure. Thank you. So it's great to have so many different people. And what really strikes me from those introductions is a theme that Claudia and I have been talking about with many of our guests about how diverse people's backgrounds are. So Claudia, over to you. Thanks for all the introductions. You're really interesting. And I think what I'm interested in would be to hear more about how you got into sustainability in waste, because when we had previous guests, it was really astonishing the wide range of entry points, different level of experience, what suddenly changed the course towards waste and circularity. So Amy, could you kick us off, please? Yes. So I studied geography when I was at uni and I did a placement year in sustainability. So it was a bit more of a broader um, view on the industry. So it was kind of a mix of biodiversity, waste and recycling, behaviour change and a little bit of carbon and water. When I first started, I thought, oh, waste is going to be really boring. I'm not going to be interested. But by the end of the year, it was the topic that I actually enjoyed the most and I learned the most about. So then when I graduated uni, I decided I wanted to stay in waste. So I was a consultant at another company for three years, and then I joined Anthesis about a year ago. Thank you. And I can't believe you thought waste would be boring. 
Linda, how did you get into waste? Yes, so um, I studied environmental economics at university. And after I finished, I got a traineeship in Brussels for the Swedish Business Federation to work with EU policy. And around this time, this was 2015, 2016, it was around the same time as the EU Commission released its first circular economy package as a result of the first big report from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. So this was really interesting times to follow the political landscape, both in the EU and in Sweden. And that's sort of how I first got introduced to the concept of circular economy and how I, as an economist, could approach uh, the waste sector. And I, yeah, I really enjoyed working with it. So after I moved back from Brussels, I continued within this field. And here in thesis, I really like working with circularity, both from a policy perspective and also from an environmental economic perspective. Thanks for that, Linda. And I think we got a couple of guests that came through the policy route, even through wider policy and economists, but also MBA, so more from the financial sector. So that's really one of the route getting into the sector as well. Shivani, I think you got even more sideway entrance into the subject and the sector. Yeah, so I, immediately after finishing my bachelor's as a civil engineer, I started as a consulting engineer where I was looking mostly into waste for industrial waste, like sanitary and process chemical waste handling, utility development. And after that, I made my mind to do master's, where also my full, my master's was much diverse. Uh, as like Emmett mentioned, mostly focusing on ecological, wastewater, and the wider topic. And then I was always surrounded with these people who are discussing waste, and also due to my subject into municipality solid waste management. I somehow was kicked my interest into waste, solid waste management. And then, yeah, uh, during the course of my career, I came across waste policy management under circular economy framework, also looking at the waste in urban rural nexus in developing countries, how it's working. So in tits and bits, I was always connected with waste management. And yeah, I'm very excited again, looking ahead for my journey to continue. Super. That's another technical. I think, Debbie, do you remember Hanti through her kind of like looking at a waste plant or an energy plant and being really fascinated and getting through there? So that's really nice. I think that was one of my favourite stories that she said she was inspired as a young child, having been on a, a visit to a facility with her father and came through a really unusual career pathway, but was in engineering and sort of took that pathway back to waste at the end of an engineering qualification. But yeah, super exciting. And it's lovely to see how many different entry points there are, because I think, you know, the more different pathways that we can find for women into our sector, the more diverse and the better the skill set that we will have as a result. I think that's the important thing that waste actually or circularity needs so many different skill set. And it's part of the circular economy. You need to understand loads of different industry, loads of different sectors, loads of different aspects aspects of this. And I think, Leah, you got another part on the, the chemistry side that, that you do us. Exactly. So I started, I want to say my waste career, but I suppose just my education in chemistry. So I studied at the University of Bristol and I learned about climate change. So I was learning about greenhouse gases, but also about material efficiency. And that's where I got into green chemistry. Um, and then moved on to doing a master's in environmental technology where I focused on pollution management and a lot of that really was to do with waste 
And I did a really interesting research project on systems change needed to solve the plastic waste in the ocean crisis. And that was quite soon after the the Blue Planet series had come out. So it was a real hot topic at the time. And then I got interested in the interplay between materials at the start of their life and then at the end of their life. So I did a thesis on the impact of bioplastics on the waste sector. And that's really what led me to Anthesis. So I joined the waste team to begin with, and I've now been here for two years. And I've kind of stayed in between the kind of production and also end of life and really tried to stick within those two parts of the life cycle. Really interesting. You already touched on one of the hot topics. And that would be something that would really be interesting to understand what hot topics you are all working on at the moment. Uh, and maybe, Linda, if you could start us off on what's your hot topic at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Just looking back at the political landscape during my time in Brussels, it's I think it's quite interesting to see how much that has happened since. Uh, people were really confused back then and no one really knew how to approach it or how to actually execute on the actions. But it was at the same time so many promising numbers and how much we could do to save both resources and money. So today, I think what is very accurate is the EU taxonomy that the Commission um, is working on. And it's definitely putting more pressure on the companies today. And they are asking for tools and better methodologies to better to be better prepared for these new requirements. So one example of how this is very present in, in my work today is that It has been the fact that the market is not really financially incentivizing circularity before linearity yet. And at the moment, I'm working with the building sector in Sweden in a few innovation projects where we have a few pilot projects where we are investigating the potential to reuse concrete and steel from old buildings into new ones. And Since most companies only measure CO2 impact uh, today and the financial costs like transportation or labor, labor costs, for example, the reuse potential is, is very seldom considered good enough to invest the extra money and resources to, to do that extra effort. But my part of the project then is, is where we, we are helping these construction companies to to measure and evaluate other environmental indicators than CO2, like eutrophication, acidification, extraction of resources, and, and global warming potential in general. And we, we do socioeconomic analysis that can be added to these financial calculations. And these indicators are very, very closely linked to the EU taxonomy that requires more indicators to be measured. So it means that it's not only the labor costs and transportation costs that are accounted for, but the actual impact on society and the environment from not reusing material. And it's super interesting to see how the companies are engaging in this and they're so enthusiastic to broaden their analysis and go beyond uh, carbon footprinting. So uh, this has, I think, it's still a long way ahead of us, but the companies are... I think it's very interesting to see how they're really engaging in this topic and, and how this can help, hopefully, to bridge the gap on the market there is today to better support circular business models. Absolutely. I think that's probably one of the biggest shifts, maybe even since COP, that we are getting back into the fiscal system and a bit better 
back into the normal economic system instead of having constant market interventions because in Europe normally those additional costs are being put onto the businesses by additional taxation or by market interventions like EPR fees and so on. Whereas now we're actually going back to the non-environmental economic system to say, actually, how can we internalize those costs? How can we charge people for the resources they use? And I think, Leah, you're seeing a a cinema theme coming out and the packaging sector as well, where we're doing a lot of baselining and looking at costs of packaging. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Absolutely. So a lot of the work that we do in the retail and manufacturing team is helping our clients to quantify the amount of packaging that they place on the market. And as we know, packaging has a very short life cycle. So very quickly, a piece of packaging will become a piece of waste. So it's really understanding the waste that's also placed on the market when we when we help clients with those footprints. And I would say that footprinting is a real hot topic at the moment, in part because businesses are expected to at least know what they're producing, but also to report that externally and increasingly to their customers. So retail pressure, it's quite large at the moment. Lots of our clients are being asked to report on unnecessary plastic, recycled content and the like. So it's really important for businesses to actually know what they're producing in the first instance. Super. And I think that wider towards carbon footprinting, water and the whole sustainability impact. Debbie, I know you have done an awful lot in that and also linking closer and closer with our colleagues in the the measuring carbon accounting economies part of, of Anthesis. Yeah, I think what those two last answers really showed is the sort of movement from where policy plays that role at kickstarting something. And the taxonomy is moving us to that next stage. And, and, you know, Leah will be familiar with the producer responsibility that you mentioned and how that sort of kickstarted change in packaging. And in fact, still will be across many countries as it's rolled out more and more on a global basis. But I think the really interesting thing is that opportunity for businesses to see this as a risk management strategy, you know, in their supply chains. Increasingly, it's moving up the investor agenda. So the biggest number of hits that we receive to the Anthesis website at the moment are for people looking for support for ESG, environmental social governance, and net zero. They're the two terms that, you know, are absolutely sort of flooding the marketplace at the moment. And people just need more support and more help. And of course, for me, I'm super excited about this because they're key parts of seeing this as a sustainable production and consumption agenda. So while I think circularity and waste and materials and and supply chain are all really important factors for our long-term ability to meet the sustainable development goals and particularly SDG 12. For me, the really big opportunity is to see those in a systemic way. So net zero is a great vehicle or ESG or, you know, the requirements to meet investor finance and so on are great vehicles for businesses to actually say, I'm going to take a voluntary good practice position around not just my packaging, not just my construction waste, but actually to see all of this stuff in a whole and to understand, you know, if I was going to look at life cycle analysis and climate impact, and if I was going to look at social impact, and if I was going to look at the environmental downstream partnerships that I need to make this a circular economy, where is my leadership opportunity in all of that? And more and more, we see case studies of businesses moving from sort of wanting to be maybe fast followers in the pack, you know, a little bit tentative about the level of risk or the level of investment they're prepared to make around these topics into real roles of leadership because they see that there is an opportunity to 
provide their shareholders or their wider stakeholder groups with a real sort of first mover advantage here? Absolutely. And we also see that in the investor sector. So they are asking the companies they are investing in, what are you doing? What are your risks? And it's a key part of any of their diligence and evaluating if they actually deploy money into different sectors and also in sectors that are just related. So if somebody buys a packaging company or something, they actually then ask about waste and circularity, which they wouldn't have done two years ago. And I think the taxonomy might give us a metric and a, and a kind of like a joint dashboard where everybody can actually compare and look at the different opportunities they have in the sector. Yeah, I think what is really striking me throughout this conversation is how diverse people's backgrounds were when they came in, but also how diverse the work is that we've just been hearing and how much opportunity there is in a sort of day in the life of a consultant or day in the life of somebody in sustainability. So I know it's a question that we're quite often asked when people are looking at joining consultancy as a career development pathway, they say, but I don't really know what being a consultant is about. So I thought it'd be interesting to explore a couple of different days in the life from our colleagues that we've got around the table today. Um, Amy, I know you've had obviously previous consulting experience, but also you've got a really interesting portfolio that you're working on at the moment. So would you be able to share a little bit about, you know, I know there's no such thing as a typical day, but a, a little bit about what the sort of work programs that you're involved with look like? Yeah, sure. So like you say, every day is quite different. There's some general tasks that kind of a consultant would be involved with on a daily basis. So things like meetings with clients to talk about progress, internal meetings to discuss how we're going to solve problems for our clients, research maybe into the industry or regulations that are coming out and how it could affect waste that's arising at the moment. A lot of the projects I'm involved with are quite data heavy. So like what Leah was discussing with the packaging baselines, we do a lot of waste footprints. So this is looking at the waste created at different points in the value chain for our clients and trying to identify if there's any hotspots, areas where they could reduce waste or where they could divert materials away from recovery and landfill and towards recycling, reuse and composting. I'm also working on a, another project which is quite data heavy for a different client which is creating an Excel-based tool to compare some of the decals that they use in their buildings. And hopefully this means that then they can select materials that can be either recycled or reused at end of life. And there's also a water and carbon aspect so that they can select the materials with the lowest impact in these areas as well. So day to day is quite varied, but for me, it's quite data heavy. And I think that links to what you said before, Debbie, about the importance of data and having that information available. Yeah, as anybody who knows me will know, I love what data can do for you. I love the story data can tell. I hate a spreadsheet, but I really value people like you, Amy, who can take us on that sort of pathway on that journey. It's been a revelation to me to see some of the data visualization tools that have been used in consulting over the last year or so, because it takes this really complicated information and tells the story, which I can understand. Thank you. That's really interesting. But by way of comparison, I'd like to turn to Shivani, because you you said in your introduction, you're quite new to waste and you're kind of balancing new career pathways in waste with Claudia with your more traditional ESG work, which, as I sort of just mentioned, is actually a growing area. So what does an average day look like in your life? Well, I would like to say that my two days can be similar, but my two weeks cannot be similar because of the different types of product that are supported into different type of sectors that I work into. It could be chemical, metallurgy, or could be a simple product day to day. 
And so my day like starts with, okay, checking, you know, doing desktop research, providing support on the environmental setting documents, legal compliances, looking at the environmental settings, and also looking at the going on regulations for policies or anything related to waste at the moment also that's that we have to check into. And yeah, also, interestingly, I forgot to connect the dot that uh, when I was looking for one of a case study for packaging uh, packaging waste in UK and Belgium and Netherlands, other countries, I came across this report for RAP uh, for the UK and also one of the podcasts that which was Women in Waste. And that's how I learned, ah, and this is, okay, that was like, I was excited looking at the website, really after looking at the website, I thought, how cool is that, you know, somebody's running podcast on this topic. And yeah, one of that inspiration for me to join Anthesis was that. Claudia, we've almost achieved some sort of celebrity status. That's that's super exciting. It's really interesting because our purpose when we set out for these podcasts was to try and connect people in the global pandemic in a time when people actually were entirely virtual. We were trying to reach out and actually keep our own networks alive, but also reintroduce new people to what we're passionate about. So it's so great to hear that happened. I'm really conscious that actually we could talk about all of this for a very long time and we don't have masses of, of time. But Claudia, it being International Women's Week, I have two questions for you you actually. The first is, could you tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing on an international basis with the team that you're doing all of your sort of waste work with? But the second is, if you were looking to introduce new women or help new women to sort of find a career pathway like Shivani did, what would you tell them? What piece of advice would you give women around the world who are thinking of getting into this career pathway? I think so your first question, you know, I I lead this global team for commercial diligence, specifically for waste and waste projects. And actually, that is a very female team. I think we got one male contributor at the moment and we are 90% 90 female working with that, which is quite interesting. That just naturally developed. And the latest project we are doing is a project in uh, Southeast Asia, where we're looking at informal supply chain for plastics collection and plastics recycling, as well as pricing transparency in those supply chains. And it's really striking that it's very female-led because often it it works very much around um, people's daily tasks, family and so on. And we know Ellen talked a bit about that as well at our last podcast. So I think that's really interesting. And we're seeing more and more females on all sides. And in terms of what to tell women, I think have the confidence, do what you enjoy and maybe learning from Amy's experience, don't know, there's, the world is always changing and the kind of like waste might not be the, the most attractive subject matter, but it's actually really fascinating across how many sectors it spans around how many different areas and the technical skills you need. So whatever you do, I think there will be some kind of connection to circular economy, to waste, to environment and sustainability. And that makes it really exciting. And that's why we all come to work and work hard every day. I would love to go around the panel and ask that same question to everybody. As always, we are stretched on time. Um, I think if our listeners would be interested to hear from any one of our panellists, we could certainly get one or all of them back for another conversation. But hopefully we've given a little flavour of what it feels like to be a woman, uh, how uh, many different pathways there are to come as a woman into our sector and um, the number of different ways that you can grow your career pathway once you've started on this journey. So it's with great sadness, actually, that I'm going to have to bring this podcast to an end. 
just because we have run out of time for our discussion today. But thank you so much to all of our panellists for joining us and for sharing your thoughts and insights and particularly around this topic on International Women's Day. We think it's so important that we encourage more people to think about this as a career pathway and to join the waste discussions. So thank you all for joining us and thank you to our listeners. Do, if you have any comments or questions that you'd like to share with Claudia and myself or anything you've heard from our panellists today, please do get in touch. You can contact us via the LinkedIn group website or you can reach out to Claudia or myself via LinkedIn. We'd love to hear thoughts. We'd love to hear any volunteers who'd like to join us for future sessions. But until then, thank you for listening and goodbye. Mm -hmm.